Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 14 of Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to be reading verses 12 and 13. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And uh, here we see that Christ is declaring once again that he comes quickly. We saw this back in verse 7 of this same chapter. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. So this is the second time in this chapter that uh, God is declaring that he comes quickly. And if you remember, when we looked at this in verse 7, we saw that when Jesus says he comes quickly, it means he comes at the first available instant, the first possible moment that uh, God's timetable will allow, that the Lord's program for his times and seasons will permit. For, for example, God gave space to the church to repent, the space was 1,955 years of the church age. As soon as the time elapsed, God came to visit to see if they had done faithfully or unfaithfully. And he found they had done unfaithfully. And so, like a thief, he came upon the churches and removed their candlestick, the light of the gospel. And judgment began at the house of God. He came Quickly, there was no delay after the church age time period had expired. There wasn't a second delay. It was immediate. Likewise, as soon as the Great Tribulation ended, um, the Bible says immediately after the Tribulation, the sun is darkened and the moon does not give its light and the stars fall. And and that tells us the first available moment in time once God's program of great tribulation, that 23-year judgment on the churches, had been completed, then Christ came quickly in judgment on the world. No delay uh, of uh, a year, a month, a week, a day, or an hour. As soon as possible. The first possible instant judgment began, the door shut, and all the things we've learned from the Bible concerning this prolonged period of judgment day took effect right away. And that's always what's in view with this statement. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, the, the word translated as reward here is also found in a few other places, and God defines what, what he's talking about. 
as we read how this word is used in these other places, um, to begin with, let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and in verses 11 and 12. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Yes, when men speak of God's elect and they say false prophet because you came up with a date of May 21 or October 7th or whatever, false prophet, they speak falsely. And uh, the church is speaking falsely uh, because especially when God's people are only sharing all the biblical evidence they have, they may be incorrect about a couple of things as we were about May 21, 2011. But uh, primarily the information of Judgment Day was correct and the time certainly is correct. The The Bible's indicators are correct. They're all in place. Uh, so it's really a false accusation. They they are speaking falsely, and and so here's what God says when when the church or when the people of the world revile the way that they're prone to do. You know, uh, uh, lately uh, as we've been sharing this information more and more on Facebook and reaching out to countries that have pretty large church presence, uh, they've been responding. And there's been um, several responses where someone will say, well, God have mercy on you for saying this kind of thing. Or, uh, you know, they'll mention the Bible, they'll indicate we're wrong, and then the next thing they say is they curse us. They pronounce all kinds of curses, just like anybody in the world. I mean, this is really curses. and Some of it's pretty filthy language. And, of course, you know, we think right away of what God says in the book of James. Well, how can you say you love God and then curse man who is made in the image of God? A fountain cannot give both sweet water and fresh. But... But, uh, you know, uh, it's an indicator, of course, of their spiritual condition. And so when men are cursing you and reviling you and casting out your name as evil and, and so forth, God says in Matthew 5, verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Don't just be glad. Don't just be glad. You know, it's, it's good if you're glad. But be exceeding glad. That is... In, in levels of gladness, let it go to the maximum. Be as glad as you can possibly be. Exceeding glad. And then the Lord goes on to explain why. For great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And, uh, you know, it, it would be an interesting study to go through the Bible to see, first of all, what God's prophets proclaimed, what the Lord commanded them to proclaim, and the response of the people they proclaimed it to. Like we can think of Micaiah, who uh, all of the prophets of Baal 
were prophesying good for the king of Israel to go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle. He would prosper. They all spoke what the king wanted to hear, what all the people wanted to hear, except for Micaiah, the son of Imlah, and he he told them the true word of God, and they cast him into prison and gave him bread of affliction and water of affliction. The king said, till I return. And then Micaiah said, if thou return, then uh, I have not spoken by the word of Jehovah. And, of course, the king did not return. He died in battle. It What God declared came to pass, and what God declared was not popular. It was not um, what the majority of people had in mind. As a matter of fact, very, very few. There was only a tiny remnant, Micaiah, and the vast majority of people were all for war and, and going up and winning the battle, and yet it was not according to God's will. Or consider the prophet Jeremiah. What was God commanding Jeremiah to proclaim to Judah? God had Jeremiah proclaim that due to the unfaithfulness, due to the apostasy, the falling away from truth, the the failure to keep the commandments of God concerning practices of worship because the people of Judah had high places and were were baking cakes to the queen of heaven. They were involved in idolatry. And, and God, uh, first of all, had Jeremiah tell them that. And that wasn't popular and that wasn't well received. They were offended that the word of God was pronouncing judgments upon them and and the word of God was pointing out their sins. Men hate that. Men hate that, that the word of God dares to point the finger at them and convict them of sin and judge them. And, and they took it out on Jeremiah and, oh, he spoke falsely. He was a traitor. He was cast into a miry pit. And uh, when we read the book of Jeremiah, uh, he had things as tough as anyone could have in Judea. He was viewed as a false prophet, as someone who did not have the good or welfare of the state of Judea in mind. And it, it was very rough for him. And, and that's the case. That's the pattern. That's how it is through biblical history. When we read of God's prophets, they are not well received. They are not uh, lifted up by the people. Oh, thank you for warning us or thank you for telling us the truth or or thank you for bringing us the true word of God. You don't find that. Uh, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And what of the people of his day? Well, they weren't flocking to him, were they? And and they weren't exclaiming, thank you, Noah. No, they, in all probability, thought he was a nut, that he was crazy. And uh, look at him building that ship for so long a time. That's how God's people, God's prophets, and all of God's true believers...
spiritually prophets, are treated by the world. It is a familiar pattern all through the Bible. The Lord says in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 30, in verse 8 and following, Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of Jehovah, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. That's what people, unsaved people, want to hear. They they don't want right things or truthful things from God. They want smooth things, acceptable things to their ears. And they don't want to hear that the church age is over when they're very comfortable in their church and that God commands them to come out. Oh, don't tell me that. You're a heretic. And, of course, they don't investigate. They they don't look into the Bible and search the scriptures. They quickly come to that conclusion because they just don't like what you said. And, and that's the nature of the unsaved individual. He receives the word of God according to his likes or dislikes. And if he dislikes it, well... Then, and if it doesn't sound good or right to him, you know, Jeremiah just didn't sound right. He wasn't for the nation of Judah. And, and if others especially don't like it as well, then the unsaved join together because might makes right in a democracy, never with the Bible, but but that's the mindset of the unsaved as they would mass together against Moses in the wilderness or come against Moses and Aaron and speak evil of them. You have slain the the servants of the Lord when God would bring some judgment upon those that were murmuring in the camp. Might makes right. Most of us think, most of us believe this is what we believe the Bible to say. Well, you know, when God would have a prophet like Micaiah, one lone prophet speak something, didn't matter how many hundreds were speaking contrary, or when Elijah on Mount Carmel was declaring something as the lone prophet of the Lord, didn't matter there were hundreds of prophets of Baal teaching contrary, God's word is the supreme authority no matter how many um, proclaim it, no matter how many are for it or against it, all that's immaterial. The only thing that matters is what has God said? What does the Bible say? What is the truth? And God has his servants, the true believers, proclaim the truth. And the truth is rejected despised, it is uh, scorned, it is reviled, it is spoken evil against. That's the biblical pattern because the truth is not smooth. It doesn't tingle the ear. It doesn't flatter the sinner. 
It doesn't speak well to him and tell him things he likes to receive. Oh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Yes, yes, God loves me and has a wonderful plan. Maybe I'll decide to be a Christian. And it's all a bunch of lies. God doesn't love the sinner. He hates the sinner. He doesn't have a wonderful plan for the sinner in his sin's life. He has a plan to destroy you. And and you can't make a decision to turn to him because you like hearing those things. The truth of the Bible, which you don't like to hear, is that salvation is completely in God's hands. He'll have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. And man can't change it or alter it or do anything about it. It's God's will that will be done concerning whom he will save, whom he will pass by. It's all according to the will of God and his program of election. In Amos chapter 2, it says in verse 10, Also I brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you forty years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up of your sons for prophets, of your young men for Nazarites, Is it not even thus, O ye children of Israel, saith Jehovah? But ye gave the Nazarites wine to drink, and commanded the prophets, saying, Prophesy not. We can read many similar scriptures in the Bible. This was the attitude towards the true believers, the true prophets of God, bringing the true word of God. And and that's why God says here, again, in Matthew chapter 5, and in verse 12, he says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And and that means, if we're being spoken evil of, And if the message is despised and rejected and and so forth, that that is not how it is with false prophets. That is not the case with the liar, with the one that has developed another kind of a gospel. They're not spoken evil of. They're widely accepted, embraced, and... They can fill stadiums full of people because man loves the lie. Man loves the lie and hates the truth. It's due to the fallen nature of man that he has ears to hear that which is deceitful, that which goes off course, that which is of the dark and not of the light. Man has an appetite. He drinks in iniquity like water for the the true falsehoods. Make up a story and and just dress it up and package it and you will find that you have quite an audience and people love and want to hear more. 
that that's all you have to do. Just uh, uh, develop some kind of tale. Tell people that God wants you to be rich. Tell people that that God uh, is is a God full of power and might, and He can make you rich. And and give a couple of biblical examples, you know, of of how God blessed Abraham, and he was a wealthy man. And and so pray to God, he'll make you rich. And then give a couple more examples how God says that whatever you ask in prayer, believing you'll receive. And now you got a gospel of uh, of wealth. You you have a gospel that you're going to have a huge audience for, and all kinds of people will want to hear you, and and they're going to speak well of you. You're you're looking out for them. You're telling them something good because they are really concerned about money and they really love money and want more money and you're telling them how to get it you see that is how the world operates and gospels they um suit themselves to the world they they fit themselves to the things the world wants to hear they tell people that which is pleasing to them but the true gospel is not like that today and it wasn't like that yesterday it's never been that way the true gospel is the opposite the true gospel is that that people do not naturally want to hear as it says in uh, Galatians chapter 1, in verse 8, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You see how God is talking about another kind of a gospel? And then he moves right into a verse that speaks of pleasing men. Because that's what false gospels do. That's what other kinds of gospels that are not the true gospel do. They please men, whether it be along the lines of how to get saved. Well, let's make it easy for people. Let's make it like instant pudding. You know, when you buy the instant pudding at the store and, oh, you know, I I have nothing against instant pudding. I can never make it from scratch. So you buy the little box of instant pudding, you add milk, Stir it, whip it up, put it in a refrigerator, and you have pudding. And so let's make it like that. Easy, simple, quick for people. Package the gospel. Merchandise the gospel. And and here steps one, two, three. Admit you're a sinner. Say the sinner's prayer. Accept Christ. And now receive him. And... Presto changeo. You go from someone under the wrath of God, subject to destruction, to salvation. You're a child of the king. You now have entry into heaven. 
And it's all false. It's an attempt to please people. People want that fast, quick gospel. They want uh, assurance and security that they're saved, and they want it now. Uh, but compared to the true gospel, you can't do anything. You're dead in sin. It takes an act of God. God's the only one who can quicken you and bring you to life. Here's the example in John 11 with Lazarus. What could Lazarus do before Christ spoke? Christ had to take the initiative, had to act upon Lazarus, bringing him to life. Then he could respond. And who wants to hear that? Who wants to hear that? Only those that God had drawn in time past and given ears to hear, they will hear it. But the people of the world don't want to hear it. And when the world in society makes its changes and and adapts as the world is going further and further into sin, the church adapts along with the world. Uh, if the world determines over the last hundred years that that women should have a greater role, and I don't have any problem with that out there in the world, but it the problem comes when the church adapts and suddenly you find women pastors all over the place and women elders and so forth. Well, that goes against the Bible. The Bible says, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. But the church wants to please people. The church is like King Saul that has its commandment from God, utterly smite the Amalekites. Let not one of them remain, nor any of their substance. And Saul spares the king. And Saul spares the best of the flocks. Why did he do it? Oh, I feared the people. I feared the people, he told Samuel. And he wanted to please the people. That's the nature of the unsaved and the nature of their other kinds of gospels. Ultimately, when you look at each one, every false doctrine, every false gospel, what lies beneath is an attempt to please man. And so churches today, of course, they're going to change and alter things to accommodate homosexuals and homosexual marriage. They've already started to do it. The society is changing, and the church, more and more churches will adapt to please man. Or uh, the the scientists, the, the brilliant minds of the secular world say there is evolution. So the church theologians change the scriptures to say, oh, God created, but but there's these gaps and, and evolution followed the creation. And again, to please man, to satisfy man, to make the gospel suitable for the ears of man. Uh, because man's a natural creature in his fallen state, they make the gospel that way. And, and God abhors it all. God despises it all. It's why he ended the church age. And it's why he destroyed the congregation spiritually. And, and so the people of God, when were spoken evil of, 
And, and really, that's the when the pressure comes, when the pressure is applied by those in a church, by those in a world, it's coming because they don't like what they're hearing. And the pressure is designed to make us stop. It's designed to cause us to submit to them and to change what we're saying, to change the teaching of the Bible, to make it more acceptable and pleasing to the ears of man. And yet God says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The true elect child of God does not seek to please men any longer. We seek to please God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.